0: Welcome to the Everything Podcast, the place for everything education. Whether you're a first-year teacher or a seasoned educator, our mission is to help you
1: employ smart strategies in and out of the classroom. We firmly believe that teacher burnout isn't inevitable. Part inspiration and part implementation, we discuss the why and how to make your classroom effective and sustainable. We're your hosts, Danielle and Nicole. Welcome back to another episode of the Everything Podcast. I'm your co-host, Nicole. And in the midst of the coronavirus, as so many schools have begun online instruction, it seems like we have all become virtual teachers practically overnight, figuring out how to translate our lessons to the online space. And while we are all still adjusting to our new normal, now more than ever, it is great to get advice from someone who is a pro at this, literally, as online instruction is the way she delivers all of her lessons. Kara Piper is a traditional classroom teacher turned online kindergarten teacher for Florida Virtual Schools. Whether you love online teaching and wanna figure out how to make this transition to virtual education even when buildings reopen, Or maybe you need some tips on how to cultivate community, even when students are physically attending class from separate spaces. Kara offers valuable insight, whether you want to make the virtual classroom your permanent home or how to make the most of this experience for your students for the time being. We're really excited to welcome Kara Piper onto today's podcast episode. And feel free to have a laugh at my expense when we say, it's so exciting to meet someone who's a virtual teacher. We haven't yet had this opportunity because... Little did we know at the time of this recording what we would all be experiencing together. And with that being said, Kara has graciously offered for everyone listening to today's podcast episode to feel free to reach out to her via Instagram with any questions, concerns that you may have during this trying time. She's awesome. We can't wait to get started with this episode. Let's dive in. Welcome, Kara, to the Everything Podcast.
2: Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here.
1: It is our pleasure. We're so excited to have you. And it's the first time that we've ever had the opportunity to feature a virtual teacher before. We're so oh, pumped Oh, cool. About you.
2: Really well, excited. I'm, I'm excited and honored to be the first. So thank you.
1: <laughs> it means a lot to us that you're on and you're, you're sharing with us. What does it mean to be a virtual elementary school teacher or a virtual teacher in general? So at
2: Florida Virtual School,
1: that means that we are our students are homeschool
2: students across the state and they come to Florida Virtual School to use our curriculum, but also to have the support of a certified teacher. So it's really a partnership between me and my we call our parents or sometimes it's a grandparent or another family member, but we call them our home educators, whoever's working with our students at home. So it's really a partnership between us to teach our students. So they're all homeschool students, but we also have rolling enrollment. Um, So I'm a 12 month employee. So I, you know, I don't have a typical um, teacher schedule that you might find in a brick and mortar school. I teach and work all year. Um, So our kids can start courses at any time. We don't follow a traditional school year. So because of that, you know, we have kids in all different parts of their school year as a, Kindergarten team we um, we've come up with a rotating schedule so that we can offer lots of different lesson options when our kids come to class we have live lessons, and when they they can pick a live lesson based on what you know what part of their course they're in that day so that you know it aligns with what they're learning during that week. so when my kids go to a live lesson, they may not see me as their teacher, but it will be a kindergarten teacher on our team. And then I also do weekly meetups with just the kids in my class. So that way I can build a, you know, a class family with just my kids and build those relationships with them so they can see me every week as well. So there's lots of different live lesson options for them throughout
1: the week. It certainly sounds like it. You've got a lot of moving pieces here. You're, you're online, you're in person, you're educating those at home you've got a lot of things to consider in your average planning and preparation for a typical school day for you. Yes. I I know Danielle and I are both like, we just have so many questions to ask you today and just really dive into it. But I'd love to know about the transition that you made from being in a traditional brick and mortar school, as you mentioned, for what seems to be almost a decade and moving into this virtual space. Could you speak on that a little bit? Sure. So I, I got my
2: first teaching job in 2008. So I guess this is um, year 12. And I taught at you know a local public school until I had my daughter who is now seven. And when I had her, I took some time off to be home with her. And then while I was home with her, I kind of found out about Florida Virtual School and I was very intrigued by the idea of virtual school. I thought it was really neat. And, you know, I went to their website and the more I read about it, I got really interested. And I said, that's cool. I want to do that. And at that time, they didn't have an elementary program. It was really just sixth through 12th grade. So which I'm not certified. I'm elementary certified. So. Um, I applied for lots of jobs anyway, just kind of hoping, you know, anything that I thought I might be able to pull off. Um, I applied for driver's ed, uh, parenting skills. You know, I had a three month old baby at the time, so I thought I could teach that. Um, (laughs) Lots of different things. And obviously I didn't get any of those positions because I was not really qualified to teach those. But it worked out in my favor because, They saw my many applications and then they called me and said, we're starting or we have this elementary program now. Would you like to interview for that since you're actually certified to teach that? And I obviously said yes. And this is I'll celebrate four years with Florida Virtual School in July. So um, it's been an awesome experience. I'm really happy. And I have never regretted making the switch over to the virtual world.
1: Nice. Well, congratulations.
0: Can you tell us what the process is like for applying to a virtual school? Like at most brick and mortar schools, you might have to come in and do like a demo lesson. Is, is that a thing? (laughs) Well, they, when I applied, we had to have
2: three years teaching experience. It did not have to be virtual teaching experience. So they don't require that you have any background in teaching online. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, they're really just looking for, for you know good teaching is good teaching even if you're online or in a physical classroom the same things that make you effective and great in a physical classroom they really are the same things that make you great and effective in a virtual classroom it's just you're just using a different platform so you know they we you know it looks different because the way we build relationships and things like that may be a little different but a lot of we we are evaluated on the same rubric that I was evaluated on in my public school, we have, you know, all the same things, the same evaluation tools. We have formal evaluations and informal evaluations. We have grade level meetings and PLC meetings. And so it's really very similar. It's just, I'm at home and my kids are at home and I, you know, there's just different ways I have to communicate with them and teach them. So, um, but we didn't have to do a demo lesson. We When I applied, we actually did a group interview, so I had to drive down to Orlando, which is about two and a half hours from me, and I was there with other people who had applied, and at that point, we had been through a phone interview, and they had different activities for us to do throughout. We spent the whole day down in Orlando, and from there, then we had to move on to a panel interview, and then from there, um, got hired, so... I've, it was my first group interview. That was a really interesting experience. But it was also kind of an informational session, too. They they showed us a live lesson and what that looks like and explained, you know, what a day in the life would be like, To you know, just to make sure that's something that we really wanted to do. Um, you know before we went farther with the with the application process as well
0: it sense that they would have to kind of do a little bit of homework on their end to make sure that they're educating you enough to make sure it is actually the job that you think it is that you're getting into right I feel like not necessarily something that goes along with your. Kind of average experience with getting hired at a traditional school. Um, you mentioned that you had to get down to Orlando, which was a little bit of a drive for you. At the virtual school, are all of your students in the same part of Florida? Is that a factor in who who comes into your classroom? How many students do you have?
2: <laughs> no, they're all across the state. I have about forty students right now, and. Oh, wow they're all over Florida. And in fact, I have, I've had also students who are military. Last year, one of my students was in Germany. They're Florida residents though. So they, Florida virtual school is free for Florida residents, just like any public school would be. So Mm -hmm. they did that while they were overseas. They, you know, so they chose to homeschool and use Florida virtual school. I've had families, even this year, one of my students, his dad works, um, he travels a lot for work. So they, travel with dad and they homeschool on the road. So, you know, there's lots of reasons families would choose homeschooling in Florida virtual school, but they're all over there. I have a couple that are near me, but most of them are not very close to me.
1: You bring up the travel aspect, which we can totally understand. And I guess my question is, what do you feel like it makes an ideal candidate for a virtual school?
2: Well, I think that what makes it great is that it can be on their schedule and on their terms. They it's a family that, that wants flexibility for various reasons. Um we've had students, you know, maybe have health problems that make a traditional classroom challenging. I've had students with, you know, certain disabilities and they maybe have an intense therapy schedule and they, you know, that way they can homeschool and work around a therapy schedule or we've we even have some star athletes and actresses or actors and actresses so they choose virtual school so that they can pursue their passions so there you know there's lots of reasons they would choose it but i think the common denominator is probably flexibility they want the flexibility to do school on you know on their schedule and in a way that works best for them
0: now especially as a kindergarten teacher you are responsible for making sure that they are learning a lot of the soft skills that are going to be with them for the rest of their lives. Uh, Your students, obviously they can see you when you're on a live lesson, Can they see each other? How do you foster relationships between students?
2: Yes, they can see as long as they have a camera, which most of them do just have, you know, a built-in camera and their computer. So nine times out of 10, we can see them. And and I don't know if you've ever been in Zoom, but it kind of reminds me of the Brady Bunch where there's just little squares and we can all (laughs) see each other. So that, you know, we we see each other that way. And I also do things when we when we get together for our weekly meetups, I'll do, I encourage the kids to send me pictures throughout the week of anything, you know, their favorite toy or soccer practice or whatever it might be. And I share those during our weekly meetups so that they can see pictures of each other and get to know each other and see what they've been up to. And then I also do a student spotlight every week in my weekly newsletter so that, You know, they can kind of share more about themselves. So I I do little things like that so that they can start to build relationships with each other, too. And but we also that's something we try that my team and I talk about a lot, actually, is how to encourage discussion, you know, with amongst the students in a virtual classroom because it is different when they're not sitting next to their friend on the carpet or something so that's something that we you know we'll give them things to talk about there is a way and when we have blackboard we had we could do centers and i know there's a way to do it in zoom we can do little breakout rooms so we can put them in a little room with a buddy kind of like a virtual turn and talk but um, that's something that i'm still learning zoom we just started when we came back from winter break so I haven't learned all of the possibilities with it yet, but that's on my list to figure out soon so that we can start doing some more of those little small group activities.
0: But that's so exciting just to have that option, because I don't think that when people imagine what a virtual school looks like that they come up with having activities and think pair, share time and things of that nature. Right. Uh, I was, uh, Wondering when you were mentioning these types of, you know, traditional classroom strategies, are there classroom management problems that arise in the virtual setting?
2: Well, they're definitely different (laughs) in the virtual setting. Um, You know, we we don't have as many issues with like shouting out because when I'm teaching or want them want the attention to be on me, I can mute everybody. So even if they are shouting out, we're not hearing that. (laughs) Um, so it's pretty easy to manage in, in zoom. And (laughs) I (laughs) I know that, um, you know, the older they get, there's a chat box. I think that is something that the fifth grade teachers sometimes have to really manage if they're writing inappropriate things in the chat box or things like that. But in kindergarten, we don't have that problem. A lot of them, you know, or just what they might do is they might just type out a string of letters or put little emojis in, but nothing (laughs) that's, that's that bad. Um, And when we're using our zoom tools, a a common thing is that students will just scribble all over the board. There's lots of scribbling. Um, So, but that's pretty easy. We can turn off their tools, clear the screen and move on. So it's not, it's, Classroom management is definitely easier
1: in a virtual classroom, for sure. I would imagine so. I love the the mute aspect. That's just yeah. <laughs> to kind of smile at that one because you just you think about all the you know more traditional classroom teachers being like, ah, oh, yes, that sounds great. That would be nice, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I do have to wonder. So when you have your students in that Brady Bunch kind of style, as you mentioned, having this Zoom call all set up with everyone in their little squares, how involved is the parent at that time or the guardian, whoever's at home with them? Are they Kind of like camera facing are they with the child? like how does it work exactly when a lesson is running
2: we We encourage in kindergarten, especially we encourage their home educator to be at least close by, especially in the beginning because you know they just need help navigating the virtual classroom, finding their tools, turning their mic on and off once they get going. I have a few right now that are pretty independent in Zoom and can come to class and participate without a home educator sitting right next to them. So, it, you know, especially in the beginning, we really need that parent support on the other side. And then, you know, for the ones that are scribbling or maybe not doing what they're supposed to be doing, we would prefer the home educator to be there with them just so they're getting the most out of the lesson. So it really depends on the child, but definitely at first we need a lot of help just so they, they can learn how to, you know, navigate everything.
1: Before we jumped on the call, Danielle and I were just chatting about how, you know, in our own experience in the classroom setting as kids, when we learned to type in our, you know, typing class. And just to think about 20, in 2020, we have these kindergartners who are actively using tools like Zoom and knowing how to respond with emoji. Like It's just pretty incredible to think about how kids have advanced and, and what they're able to do. Like you said, pretty autonomously. It's pretty
2: awesome. Right. It is. And I mean, there are cases, too, where the student will eventually know, you know, it's just like my kids. They'll get a new piece of technology and learn it faster than I do. You know, they pick it up really quickly.
0: Now, my question, because I I can see how this can set them up for success because all the stuff that they need, I would think, is kind of right in front of them. Um, I know that one of my frustrations is when my students ask me, as the instructor in front of them, if I have a pen or a pencil that they could borrow. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the coming to class prepared is a little bit easier. Um, but you have mentioned, like, uh, science lessons, like the weekly science lessons. Do they have to have, like, any sort of other equipment with them if you will for something like that.
2: Well yeah, and so I probably should have explained this earlier. The way the program works is we do all of their lessons are online and you know, in kindergarten the parents guiding them through the lesson and there are little interactive practice activities along the way or videos or songs or things like that to support them in that lesson, but A lot of the assignments that they do, they print out and do off of the computer because even though we're virtual school, we still want them to have a pencil in their hand and be writing, especially in kindergarten. So they do a lot of writing and pretty much anything you would see in a brick and mortar classroom, they're also doing. It's just the lesson happens on the computer. There are some things that they do right there on the computer,
1: but the majority of their assignments are off of the computer. Makes sense. So when it comes to, as you mentioned before, that kind of, you know, other big learning opportunity when you are in that kindergarten setting is the social interaction, the skills that you, you earn as you're interacting with peers and you mentioned the meetups and i'd love to dive in a little deeper as to what it is that you plan for a meetup with your students and knowing that they are in such a large radius all across the state how do you kind of navigate that and and what does that mean for you on like a weekly basis as you mentioned
2: so we don't do them weekly or so my weekly meetup is in a, is in the virtual classroom so every wednesday cuz because we have the rolling enrollment and our students kind of go to all different places for their live lessons. I thought, you know, I might never see see them in my virtual classroom if our schedules don't line up. So that's why on Wednesdays I have them come to my zoom room and it's just the kids in my class and we see each other every week. So we can kind of have that class family, but then we also do meetups, for all, all of Florida Virtual School, all of the elementary students, we do regional meetups. So we have locations across the state and we invite the families to come out into the physical world. Mm-hmm. Um, we do a lot of parks and libraries and other places that are easily accessible for our families, but that way they can be with each other in the physical world too. And that's those are always so much fun. And we used to do, when our school was a little smaller, we did a end of the year trip at, to SeaWorld in Orlando, but now there really isn't an end of the year because of our rolling enrollment. So we decided to do, and they, they stopped the SeaWorld trip just because it was kind of getting, it, the school's getting so large. Um, so the kindergarten team, we're going to do a spring picnic in the Orlando area next month. So that way we can try to get as many kindergarten kids together as possible because at our regional meetups, There might, you know, I I had one of my kindergartners come up. She drove an hour and a half up to see me at my location, but she was the only kindergartner there. It was still awesome to see her, but I thought, man, it'd be cool if we had some other kindergartners here for her to play with and meet. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to do a a spring picnic type meetup just for kindergarten.
0: That's so cool. And I bet something that they just look forward to for days, weeks, counting down
2: yes it's so funny because so when we did SeaWorld a few years back um it was that th- this was some of their first time seeing me in in real life and mm-hmm. you know some of them are a little shy at first because you're not just you know this face and on the screen and but you know eventually they warm up and are you know, very excited to see you. But a lot of, it was funny to see their reaction to now you're seeing her, there she is in real life. It's like, huh, this is strange to see you off of the computer. Um, But it's a really cool experience to get to, to give them a hug and, and see everybody. And the way we work, it's, you know, you really, I really get to know my family so well because I spend so much time on the phone with my parents, guiding them through everything. So you really become a part of the family with, with how our program works. So it's, it's fun to see the students, but also just to see the whole family too.
1: Yeah. I mean, as you mentioned, it's the home educator aspect. You, you're doing a lot of educating there and I'd love to know what that entails. Well, and so every
2: time I get a new student, we have, we have a welcome call. So we'll call the family and that's really a good time for me just to kind of get a background on, you know, the student and sometimes I'm getting some new kids this week actually that are probably coming from a brick and mortar school or maybe a different homeschool curriculum so I you know I get the background on on the student and what they've been up to and then a lot of a lot of the things that come up in kindergarten you know are things like they're not reading yet oh my goodness my my child's not reading yet um so just kind of working with the parent to you know to that's okay. Here's some things we can do to, you know, get them there. So I'm I'm kind of like a cheerleader, but also I am I feel like I'm I'm modeling for them how to have how, how to talk about reading and practice reading when I'm doing live lessons. My parents are pretty much there watching and listening to. So I feel like I'm I'm modeling for them how to approach certain, you know, lesson topics and then I also have a YouTube channel that I do with a teammate. And that was born from this same conversation of how can we help our parents teach their child at home. So we make videos about lots of different topics. Um, We've done fun ways to practice sight words, fine motor skills. We did a modeled writing to show them, you know, how to sit next to your child while they're writing and support them while they're writing. And we have a very long list of other videos that we want to make, so that's an ongoing project. but we also talk to our families at least monthly. Monthly is the requirement, but I talk to them so much more than monthly um, they you know they'll text me we're struggling with this skill, so I'll get on the phone with them we'll talk about it I'll send them you know other ideas or different ways to practice or whatever it might be that they need so the I try to stress that in the beginning, that it really is a partnership and to let me know how things are going or what they're struggling with so that I can support them. Because if I have a home educator who is confident and supported, I feel like that student's going to benefit greatly from that.
0: Without a doubt, it sounds like those welcome calls are almost like, almost like a one-to-one back-to-school night situation. <laughs> yes, they are. Where you get to kind of go over... Your educational philosophy, which it sounds like the types of parents who would be interested in enrolling their student in this type of school would be so on board with looking for like a true partnership that maybe they would get more out of a virtual school than they would in a traditional classroom with boundaries that I think look a little bit different most of the time. It's like, well, when they're at school, this is the person who's in charge and then at home now it you have to figure it out. Whereas this sounds like the way you have it communicated, it seems much more like we're all in this together, right. which is really nice. And then
2: and- another thing that comes up too is, well, my student, my child doesn't like. You know, a student might not do the same for mom or dad that they will for a teacher. I'm sure you have had that experience where they, you know, they'll, they'll do it for me in the classroom. Why won't they do that at home? And I, I mean, even with my own daughter, I know she'll do way more for her, her teacher than if I try to sit down with her and teach her, um, you know, different things. So that's something too, that comes up are ways to motivate them and, you know, just different ways to get them excited about learning and making it fun and, you know, following their cues on when they need a break or things like that. So that's another big part of what I talk to my families about that that's something that seems to come up frequently that, that they kind of have to figure out when they start their, their homeschooling virtual school journey.
0: So getting students excited about learning. I feel like when traditional classroom teachers think about that right now, um, you know, classroom transformations and things like that are all the rage. How do you get your students excited for learning in the virtual space? And that's a great question because I'm also
2: battling, you know, when we're, when we're in Zoom together doing a live lesson, we're also battling whatever might be going on at home. If someone's watching TV or brother or sister is, you know, doing something that they might want to jump off and do or so there's, there's that. So my goal is always to keep them looking at me, keep their focus on me. So I love to use props. I have a very extensive headband collection. <laughs> um, <laughs> I probably got a hundred if I had to guess and I, whatever we're learning about, I will most likely have a headband that goes with that theme or, um, or somehow connected. And if I can't find one that goes with that theme, I'll just wear a silly one or silly glasses or a silly hat. Um, just something that makes them laugh and makes them want to keep looking at me. And something that's cool about zoom is we can make virtual backgrounds. So I have this green screen that attaches to my chair and then I can put any image as my background. So that's That's another level of going with the theme. So, you know, you name it, if you can have the image, you can create your own. I've gone in PowerPoint and made my own little images. Um, But I mean, the possibilities are endless with that because you could put anything behind you. And I also use it too because we have something that we do with our students where we meet with them one-on-one it's part of the program um, it's called a discussion based assessment which really just means it's a one-on-one check-in I'll just to talk with the student make sure that they're you know grasping the skills they should be grasping at that point in their school year but I use it that way too to go along with whatever they might be interested in um, this week I had one with one of my students and she loves sloths so before I went to meet her I went and found a cute sloth background. And so when she came in, I've got sloths all around me and it's just a good way just to, I mean, cause they're five and six, you know, sometimes they'll come in and be maybe a little shy if it's their first time being one-on-one with me. So just a way to kind of make them smile and, you know, hook them a little bit.
0: Love it so much. <laughs>
2: so I've got quite a collection going of, of zoom backgrounds too. So, I mean, just anything like dinosaurs, Legos, Legos, Super Mario. You can have that, anything behind you. It's really cool.
0: It sounds like you have really found a way to make like the virtual equivalent of the they come into the classroom handshake. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's it's great.
2: Yeah. And we do other things just to, to, you know, further build that relationship. When I get a new student, I send them, I like to send them mail because I, don't get to see some of them. I never see in the physical world. So I send them a little welcome note and I get those stickers that are made to go on your water bottle, the vinyl stickers. Those are, you know, cause they're a little bigger and they're individual. So you know, I'll put a little sticker in there to send them a note, but sometimes it's their first, I've had a few, quite a few parents say, this was their first piece of mail and they're so excited just to get a piece of mail. And that's just another <laughs> another way to kind of build that relationship and I send them birthday cards and I made, I make silly holiday cards, um, you know, with my headband, a funny picture of me that I send out to them and send them Valentine's and things like that throughout the year. So that's another way I kind of, you know, build that relationship with them. And then when they come see me, they're, they're not as shy because I just sent them like a really silly picture or something. Um, it, you know, it gives us something to talk about if that's our first conversation together. Um, and then I also made a welcome video. So when I send them, a when I first get them and I send them a welcome email, there's a video in there from me
1: so they can see me and start to kind of, you know, get to know me a little bit. I love the way that you presented that. I mean, I'm just, you know, when it, we speak about building up our students and making them feel special and really building those connections. I mean, it sounds like you're doing, you're doing it all. You have your cute quirks that you do to make them feel special, the ways that you actually send things home to them. I mean, you're really hitting all the different angles. And I think one way to kind of help our listeners visualize that is to check out all that you have on your own space, which is your social media. And I'd love to talk about, you know, you mentioned creating those connections with students and having them showcase whether it's, the thing that they're sharing, you know, every week with their other with their peers, a, a picture of something that they've created, and I think that that's so special. And I think it's, you know, it kind of mimics what you're doing online with other virtual teachers and educating those online about what you're doing and, and kind of sharing in your experience. And I'd love to just shout that out and talk about all that you're doing online. That's just helping to educate everybody else about what virtual school means.
2: Right, and the reason I even went down the, you know, the teacher gram world was I I was looking for virtual teachers when I made the switch because I followed tons of teachers, and I still use ideas from, you know, a brick-and-mortar teacher. That doesn't, you can still take a great idea and translate it to virtual classroom, but I just wanted to see what other virtual teachers, what their, you know, office setup is and what they're doing in their virtual classroom. And I, I didn't find a ton. So I started a teacher account. It's virtual elementary teachers. And I'm actually on the social media team. I'm the elementary representative for Florida Virtual School and their social media Um, So I I sometimes will partner with them and share things that are going on with our school, but I I mostly just share, you know, my little piece of the virtual teaching world and what my day-to-day looks like and what I'm doing with my students. And it's been really cool because I have connected with lots of virtual teachers throughout the, I think, two years since I started my account and I've, talked with teachers all across the country that are doing virtual teaching. It might not look exactly like it does for me. It does vary, but I still am getting great ideas and it's fun to see what they're doing. And I also started a blog too, because when I, when I started this and started sharing about it, I got a lot of, a lot of questions, the same types of questions that you guys were asking. And, and honestly the same questions I had before I started, I, you know, I had all of the same questions about how does this work? So the blog was kind of a place for me to, to write it all down and, and have a place to put it so that if someone asks me that question, I can I already kind of have that answer ready to go. So that was why I did the blog, but it's been cool. That's
1: awesome. I'm, I'm actually checking it out right now, the Frequently Asked Questions blog post that you have. And I think that it does kind of touch on everything that we've chatted about today. And for those that are looking for even more information, it's definitely a great resource.
2: Yeah, and the cool thing about not just virtual, but just education in general, I mean, it's its even the four years that I've been here, it's changed a lot, and um, it's always changing, always exciting, and
0: I'm just really, really happy to be a part of it. And we're so happy that you were able to come on and share this stuff with us. I think that whether this episode has inspired some of our listeners to maybe learn more and see if the switch to a virtual school is for them or if they absolutely love being in the classroom in a traditional way but they can walk away from this episode at least i know i am with a bunch of extra ideas about how to connect better with my students and parents even when i see them every day so yeah go get that, some fun
1: Cara. headbands
0: <laughs> <laughs> i think i asked you.
1: dollar tree is a great place to go for seasonal ones just in case great tip. Yeah. (laughs) Kara, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. And before we do sign off, I want to make sure everyone knows exactly where to find you and how to connect with you further. Would you mind sharing your social media accounts and any other place you want people to connect with you online?
2: So my Instagram account is virtual elementary teachers, and that's pretty much where everything lives is on Instagram. Thank you so much. This has been awesome. Well, thank you. I'm excited to talk to you tonight.
0: If you'd like to learn more about us and the services that we offer, head to everything.com.